Welcome to Renovate, the young adult ministry of Christ Chapel Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We are for all young adults. Whether you're far from God or walking close to Him, we believe that our God fully knows us and fully loves us. So instead of leaving us as He finds us, He is constantly and graciously renovating our lives so we can look more like Him. Enjoy this week's message. Praise God. How are you guys tonight? Good. Man, um, I love it. If you you missed Brooke and Rob's welcome, if you are new, uh, we really are so glad you're here, man. We want you to feel welcome. We want you to get connected. Um, You missed a great welcome, man, from Rob and Brooke. I love those guys. They are two of the best leaders I've seen. I mean, they're just, they are legit leaders. They love people. They love the Lord. They have a ton of integrity. They're incredible leaders. Sometimes when they do announcements, I feel the Holy Spirit leave, though. I just feel the Spirit of God leave the room. And then Chike starts playing bass, and I feel it get wooed back in. Way to go, Chike! Good job, man. Um, no, man, we really do. We hope that you guys feel so welcome here, and, uh, and we really are glad that, that you're here. Uh, and I love that we don't take ourselves too seriously as a ministry, man, that we take God seriously, uh, but not ourselves. So what we're doing tonight is going to be a fun, it's going to be a little bit of a fire hose. I'm going to um, kind of drown you in some scripture. Um, but uh, we are starting a new series called God's Will, A Study in How to Listen. Um, it is a... It is a need that I see in my life constantly has been, continues to be this uh, desire for me and draw for me to how do I know God's will? How do I figure out the God of the universe, his plan for my life? What does that look like? How do I get on that path? Um, It's a series that for the next four weeks, um, starting tonight, we're going to unpack. And tonight's going to be kind of a really broad overview of kind of establishing some some definitions of what God's will is and what that looks like. And and we're going to end up landing at least on one specific application. But really, I'm excited about the next three weeks, too, as we just kind of go deeper and deeper and deeper with a topic that uh, I think applies to everybody in this room and that I think for us as people who, who maybe believe in this God, maybe don't, I think he has a plan. And I think he has a will that intersects with your life. And so what does that look like? And how can you figure that out? James chapter 4, verses 13 through 15, we see, this, we see this little story. It says, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. It seems to be, even in this just reference for James, that there is this idea that we kind of want to navigate our own lives. And we are going to make up our own mind and we're going to say, okay, next year I'm going to do this. And this is how I want to live. And this is what my life is going to look like. And we, we navigate it based on our own internal compass of what we want. And yet even here in James, we kind of see this teaser of who are you to know what your life looks like? Who are you to be the navigator that there is this underlining authoritative will of God that's actually driving the ship that I think so often we forget about, we lose sight of, uh, and, and yet I think it's there. I want to I wanna unpack kind of some broad categories just for clarification of when we talk about the will of God. Um, and these are pretty accepted in, in 
Christian evangelical world at this point, uh, and, and I want to make some statements that we're going to look at Scripture and support those statements. But one of the, the things I want to point out is um, there is a moral will of God, and then there is a specific will of God. And so when I talk a lot tonight and throughout the series, when we're talking about the will of God, a lot of what we're going to be talking about is going to be talking about specifics. What do I do? What steps should I take? And kind of some of the more day-to-day decisions that I make, big picture, little picture decisions. Um, but, but I want to be real clear. God's made his moral will to us pretty clear. And so if you think of a sphere of moral will, we should be able to pretty easily determine what is God's moral will. That he says, hey, this is wrong. This is not what is from me. And this is what is from me. But within that, there's also specific will that seems like, okay, well, this isn't evil one way or the other. So for example, if somebody cuts me off in traffic, right? And I'm praying and thinking, I'm going to get out of my car, Lord, if it's okay with you, and I'm going to karate chop this person in the neck, right? (laughs) I would know, oh, that's outside of the moral will of God. So I know that somewhere in Philippians, it talks about do not karate chop. And so I'm like, okay, I know that that is outside of God's will because it's outside of the moral will of God, right? If, If we have that category, that broad category, it's like, okay, obviously I can't karate chop people in traffic. I realize that. Um, it's outside the moral will. But one of the things we're going to be talking about is, okay, well, what do I do with two good decisions? What do I do inside the moral will of God where I have these decisions, this, this way that I'm trying to navigate my life, and one option is not evil, and one option is not bad, and one option is not uh, sin. How do I navigate those decisions, this idea of this specific will of God, right? This idea of, man, there's a, a job opportunity. There's a degree. What degree should I do for college students? Or should I go back to grad school? Or you've got you know, two really great godly guys trying to pursue you and ask you out on dates. And you're like, oh, which one? Do I know my audience or what? You know, that's y'all's problem, ladies. There's just too many really handsome godly men who are all asking you out all at once. And you're like, which of these five godly ripped men should I say yes to? I know my audience so well. I know that y'all struggle. Um, you get, you get the idea, right? Like, what, how do we navigate those things that aren't apparently, obviously outside of God's moral will? They're within that. Um, how do we do that? That's, that's the big picture thing that I think a series like this, we want to each week dig deeper and deeper and figure out some real tools that God has given us. Say, man, how do we discern that? How do we really figure out God's will for our life? Here's two truths that I, I want to share that I think are going to kind of help shape tonight and kind of how we... Uh, navigate this evening. The first truth is this. I believe, and I'll show you in scripture where I'm getting this, that God is in control and he has a perspective that we don't, right? And that's something pretty important. If I'm trying to figure out this God's will in my life, I think I need to start with the premise that there is a God who is in control and he has perspective that I don't. It changes how I go to him searching for his will if I believe those things. Uh, Let me Take you to some scripture. Psalm 135, 6. The psalmist says this. He says, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth and in the seas and all the depths, right? God does whatever he pleases. He is in control. Isaiah 45, 5 through 7 says this. This is the Lord declaring his power, his, his might. I am the Lord and there is no other. Beside me, there is no God. I equip you though you do not know me, right? He is behind P- 
people, equipping them, even though they don't know them, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is no other. And look at verse seven. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. The good and the bad, I am in control over all. I am sovereign over all. I am the Lord who does all these things. In Proverbs 19, 21, it says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails, right? We start to see this powerful God all throughout scripture that seems to be in control, that seems to be in control of all things, that seems to be in control. He does whatever he pleases. He's not asking permission. He does what he pleases. He navigates, he steers. Job 42, two, and this is a great verse. Job says this, he says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Let me give you the context. Just even, let me slow down on this one and give you the context here. So Job 42 comes after several chapters in the book of Job. The book of Job, if you haven't read it, is gnarly, right? You've got this guy, Job, and all, and, and the enemy, right? Satan comes to him and says, I'm gonna test him and asks God's permission, Right? This is not a yin and yang battle that we see between good and evil where, you know, the devil gets a couple of uppercuts, but God's going to end up winning in the end. This is a submissive enemy that comes to God and says, can I test this guy, Job? God allows it. God is completely sovereign over the situation. All kinds of bad stuff happens to Job. Right? He loses everything. Awful stuff happens. He's getting bad advice from his friends. Right, This whole book, Job eventually gets to this point where he's like, what is going on? What is going on? He's asking the Lord. He's yelling at the Lord. Finally, the Lord speaks in Job chapter 38. And from Job chapter 38 to right before chapter 42. So 38 through 41, those chapters are packed with the Lord's response to Job. And it is chapter after chapter of God saying, Job, I have a bigger perspective than you do. I know more. I see more. Let me just read some of this just because it's gnarly and awesome. And it's one of those things that's like, dang, mic drop. Listen to this. There's like four chapters of it. I'm just going to give you some teasers. He says, this is God. He says, who can number the clouds by wisdom or who can tilt the water skins of the heavens? When the dust runs into a mass and the clods stick fast together. Look at this. Do you give the horse his might? Do you clothe his neck with a mane? Do you make him leap like the locusts? Right? He, he goes on and on. Um, it is by your understanding. Is it by your understanding that the hawk soars? Right? God is saying, hey, I control the horses and the hawks and the oceans and the seas and the rains. And Job, I have a bigger perspective than you do. I have this perspective and this power that, that you don't see and you don't know. And then that's where we get to chapter 42. And he says, I know that you can do all things, right? The last chapter in Job is Job realizing, oh my goodness, you are in control. And, and all things are restored to him. And there's this picture consistent through scripture. We have a God who is in control. We have a God who is sovereign, who is in control, who has a perspective that we don't have and that is broader than ours. That's important if we're gonna seek after that God. Does this God know what he's doing? Is he in control? Who's the God that we're really trying to determine his will of? It's a God who's in control. It's a God who knows more than we do, knows infinitely more than we do. But the second thing is this, that same God biblically seems to be involved and interested in our personal steps, 
our personal steps, that God who is over all things seems to want to be involved in our steps. Proverbs, again, says, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. You might think, man, I'm gonna plan my way, but this powerful, holy, awesome God is intimately involved in your steps, is what scripture would lead us to believe. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, There is purpose to you being created by the God of the universe, created for these good works that God has designed. And look, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. We have a God who is in control, who has a perspective we don't have, but we also have a God who simultaneously, that same God, seems to be interested in our steps and even prepared the good works that he has for us to live out in our life. How do we tap into that? I don't want a weak God, and we don't have a weak God. A confused God, a a God who's not sure, a God who's just in this thing together and we're all figuring out, that's not the God who we have in the Bible. We have a God who's in control, but he cares and he has a plan and he's planned out these steps for us. So how do we tap into that? How do we tap into that? That's what we're gonna spend the next four weeks on. I wanna camp out for a second. And honestly, I think this is going to be a verse we, we come back to, at least in certain ways, uh, throughout the next few weeks. Romans 12, 2. The book of Romans is awesome. First 11 chapters of Romans is this rich theology to a, to a church that hasn't, hasn't really gotten a theological lesson yet. That Paul's writing from afar saying, hey man, let me just lay out the theology of who God is and who you are and how this whole thing works. And so it's 11 chapters of just unbelievably rich theology. And then chapter 12 says, okay, now how do we apply that? Paul starts to really apply it. And right here in the second verse of chapter 12, he says this. Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. I'm not gonna give you a formula tonight to figure out how do we test that. My hope is that over the next four weeks, we'll continue to unpack deeper and deeper ways, multiple tools that God has given us to say, how do we test? How do we test this? How How do we remove ourselves from the conformity that we are stuck in the world in and don't even know it and how confused and we can't see straight and we can't navigate correctly. How do we do that? There's all kinds of tools that God's given us to do that. Here's what I want us to camp out on tonight though, is just this idea that by testing, you may discern what the will of God is, that this idea of, man, how do we, how do we start to test? Um, one of the things that I want with the will of God, just to be transparent, maybe you're like this. I want a GPS roadmap, right? Like I want the big picture. I actually, whenever we're going anywhere traveling and I got the, you know, my map on my phone on, I like the aerial view, right? I don't like the turn by turn. I don't know why. I I guess if it's someplace I totally don't know, I need the turn by turn, but I just want the kind of general idea and I'll make it from there, right? Siri's gonna talk to me anyway on the turn by turn. I wanna see the big picture. I want that for my life. Man, I want that. I want, an, I, want an, I want that for my kids' lives. I want that for your lives. Just give me the roadmap. And yet it seems like our God, even here, we get this glimpse of, man, there's this testing. It's not a roadmap of God's will, but a testing to discern is, 
Is this what God would have for me? Is this what he would want? Is this the steps that he would have me take? Um, Back before I had kids, um, I used to go camping a lot. Loved it. Loved to go outside. Now I don't go outside because I have kids. Um, And I used to love going camping. And uh, and I would go and I'd take my Bible and I'd be gone for a couple days and I'd just kind of shut down and just spend time with Jesus. And there was one time where I went uh, up to Broken Bow uh, and I was you know, set up my camp and I grilled some dinner. And then I was like, man, I'm going to go on a hike. And there at Broken Bow are these trails, right? They're these kind of long winding trails. And there's this one trail um, that's about 12 miles long. And I packed a backpack and I got plenty of water and I got some snacks. And I was like, man, I'm just going to go on this trail, man, and spend time with Jesus. I'm just going to go walk through this trail. And the way that those trails work and and some trails, you guys, some of y'all might know this is they have these things called tree blazes. And so when you're walking on a trail, what they'll do, because the trail isn't like this paved path, right? It's 12 miles and it's kind of through the woods and it's real. I mean, it's totally through the woods and it's, you know, but it's this really cool path. And, and then sometimes it's all overgrown and it's, you know, and so what they do is they'll paint white paint on these trees or different colors for different, different trails. And so this trail, all of the tree blazes, which are these stripes of paint, were painted white. And so you, you know, the trees would be about 60 yards apart. So there'd be one tree and about 60 yards away, kind of on that trail, there'd be another one. And it helped determine how to stay on the path because in daylight you could see them. And this is a trail that I was stoked about. And I knew that it ended kind of at this damn waterfall thing, this damn slash waterfall thing. <laughs> I didn't cuss. It's a damn slash a waterfall. Please don't email me. You get the damn point. And I... um. <laughs> The point of the trail is the dam at the end of it, and it was going to be really cool. And I was like, I'm going to go there. Um, so I go and I start walking, right? The problem was it was dusk, right? I, when I ate dinner and when I got there, it was late. And I went, and you know what comes after dusk is dark, right? So it's dark. And so I don't know why, but it's a 12 mile hike. And I get about three miles into this hike um, before it is just totally dark, guys. I am standing in the woods and it's just completely dark. The trail isn't a clear path anyway. Most of it's overgrown and the trail needs to be navigated by these tree blazes that are laid out all throughout this 12 mile walk. And yet I'm now in the dark. And so I'm standing there in the dark and it gets later and what should have been, what, maybe two and a half hour hike, the first Three miles was pretty good. And then all of a sudden I can't see. And so the rest of the night, I'm trying to make it through the rest of the trail. And I'm just have one flashlight and I'll get to a tree and I'll stand at that tree. And I really don't know what the trail is. Is that the trail? Is this trail? And so I'll stand at that tree and I'll just shine to see about 40 to 60 yards away and figure out, because this thing zigs and zags everywhere, figure out, okay, where's the next tree? There it is walk to that tree, get to that tree. Okay, where's the next tree? There it is. I get to it. Oh, nope, that's bird poop. That's not the tree. I got to go back and find the right tree. I'm now at the wrong tree. Go back. Okay, that was, oh, there it is. And navigate. So I'm just standing there in the dark with my flashlight. I hear like rustling around and I'm like, there's a bear or a tiger or a witch or something in this wood that's going to try to kill me. And all night, it took me like four or five hours to all of a sudden get to the damn slash waterfall and I was exhausted and it took all night and I crashed there and it was sweet. But it was this picture. It has remained this picture for me of, man, I want the roadmap. And I feel like God says, man, you need to test and discern what my will is. 
all throughout scripture, we see these stories of people that it feels like he just, a step at a time, a step at a time. Um, Paul, in his missionary journeys, if you ever looked at the back of your Bible and there's these, you know, journeys of Paul, like maps in the back when I was a kid, like that's the only thing I would look at in my Bible, um, is just the cool maps. Uh, it's, these, it's these zigzag lines that God calls Paul. In Acts 16, Paul actually thinks he's going one place. He's like, all right, man, I'm not going there. I'm going here. And, he, and then all of a sudden, it's called the Macedonian call. The Lord's like, nope, at the last minute, I, need, I want you to go this way. I want you to go this way. And he, and he goes that way, and he, he goes into Macedonia. He ends up planning the Philippians church, which is the church in Philippi, which is where we get the book Philippians, the letter of Philippians. Um, because it was this, wait, I, th- I thought I was going this way. God, no, I'm having you, I'm having you go, go left when, when you thought you were going right. Um, let me give you one more story. Let me give you one more biblical illustration of this. Joseph, Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph in the Old Testament becomes one of the most significant historical figures in the entire Jewish race, really, right? In the Hebrew people, Joseph ends up, he's the reason the Hebrew people Four generations into their existence, he's the reason that they were able to not only survive, but thrive and become a nation because he is the right hand of the Pharaoh. And he has just so much favor with the Pharaoh. And he's able to bring his family of of Hebrews into Egypt, which is the most powerful nation in the world. And he's able to bring them in and they're able to grow and prosper and all of these things in that season of history because Joseph is the guy who is pivotal in the survival and history of the people that God has said, hey, I'm going to tell a story through you people. And Joseph is this key authoritative figure that makes that happen because he's sitting at the right hand of the Pharaoh, who's the largest ruler of any kingdom at the time. But if you were to have rewound in his story, I mean, years and years earlier, he found himself at the bottom of a well after being betrayed by the people who were supposed to be his closest friends and loved him. That was a part of God's will telling a story through his life. His brothers abandoned him. His brothers were jealous of him and they throw him in a well and then they end up selling him into slavery. And then he ends up, you know, eventually being in in a a great slave, working his way up in in this house and becoming this servant and becoming the right hand of this guy. Then he gets accused of doing stuff he didn't do. And then all of a sudden he winds up in jail for this long stretch of time. All of these pivots and turns, turn by turn, that at any point in his life, what is God doing in your life? He would have thrown up his hands and said, I have no idea. And yet look how God worked and look at his patience through that. Look at his faithfulness through that. He didn't give up. He didn't stop. He continued to be faithful, continued to put one step in front of the other. I, I so badly want the GPS. It seems time and time again, God says, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me turn by turn. This this is thing that I feel like the Lord wants from us all the time. He loves us. His grace is so so sufficient for us. We are saved by his grace. But then there's this thing that says, do you have faith? What I want from you is faith. I'll give you my grace and my love and I'll give you my righteousness. Would you just have faith? Certainly plays out as we chase after his will. So again, How? How? How do we determine it, right? Establish his will, establish his power, establish his perspective, establish the rhythm that he seems to build. So how, right? And not just trusting passively that God will work things out, but how do I actively seek after obediently walking in his path 
how do I, how do I discern what is the will of God in Romans 12 too? I have to listen, right? If I wanna be able to follow God's will, I have to be able to listen to him. It's unbelievably important. It really is. It's unbelievably important for my ability to actually hear him properly because what happens if I don't is all kinds of disillusionment, all kinds of just mistakes, all kinds of frustrations, right? When I think I'm following God, but am I really following God? Funny story. I think about this every once in a while. There was this time, I don't know why I'm telling this story. Maybe it'll go somewhere. But I, there was this time where I was sitting in traffic and it was stop and go traffic. And I was coming from Dallas back to Fort Worth and it was stop and go. And I just felt like the Lord was saying, hey, I want you to share Christ with the guy in the car next to you, right? It was like that traffic, right? We would stop next to it and then the car would go. And, and, I, and I, for some reason, I just remember, man, there's this guy in the car next to me who like I just keep lining up with, right? And he'd go and then I'd go and then I'd go and he'd go. And I, was, and I just felt like the Lord was like, hey, roll down your window and share Christ with that guy. So I was like, right, wait till we pull up. Now I'm not ready. And he goes, right, pull up again next to him. And I'm like, hey, hey man, right, which nobody rolls down their window this way, but I'm like, roll down your window, and he gets it, rolls it down, and then we go a little bit, and we get, we line up. I'm like, hey, man, I just wanted to let you know, I believe that there is a God who has a, oh, there he goes. (laughs) And we never lined up again. We never lined up again. He went and it was several miles and he got like five cars ahead. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, get his license plate. And I, that's where the story ends, guys. That's the conclusion of the story. Here's why I tell you that story. I've thought several times, was that God's will, right? Like, was God speaking to me or was I just like, you know, was that just me in my head? Honestly, if anybody wants to do something like that, that is clearly in God's moral will to go and share, do it. Do it. If it feels scary, do it. If it feels scary but obedient and radical, do it. But my point is, how do I know? Man, is this really? And it's one thing to share Christ. Like, there's not going to be a bad outcome. Well, actually, that guy could have been totally creeped out and may never go to church again because of that interaction. But also, there's not going to be a bad interaction of being radically obedient to Jesus, right? So just, just be bold and do that. But what about other decisions in my life that have massive consequences? I got a buddy in my life who he could have, he swore that, man, he was hearing God in a very specific way, calling him to do some very specific things. And it almost completely destroyed his family. It almost completely destroyed his family. And there was so much grief tied to this, but it was like, man, no, I heard God say this. I felt God telling me to do this. And it almost totally wiped out his family. Because in retrospect, we realize, man, that wasn't really God speaking to you. So all the time we see this tension, how do I listen? Right? We think we're following God, but then all of a sudden, if I'm not really, there's this disillusionment or maybe this discouragement. And that's how, that's how cults form, right? Cults form because there's a lot of really well-intentioned people who say, man, I want to follow God. And somebody's like, here's what God is saying. And how do I discern? Is that really what God, that guy's super passionate, right? I mean, he's really loud and he tells funny stories and this is what he says God's saying. And so, man, maybe I should, maybe he's persuasive and that seems very convicting and convincing and charismatic. But I think that, I think that leader is hearing from God in a way, or I, I feel that whenever he talks and how do we determine, how do I know that the voice I'm hearing, that the feeling I'm feeling, that the urges that I have, that I'm, how do I know that that's the right choice? How do I hear clearly? 
multiple ways we're gonna learn throughout the next four weeks how to hear clearly. Tonight, we're gonna just land on the simple, beautiful, lifelong pursuit of I hear clearly because I know the word of God, right? That's our starting point. That's our starting point as we jump into this whole series that, man, if I wanna hear clearly, if I wanna know the will of God, then I gotta hear him. And if I wanna hear him correctly and clearly and know, is this really him or is this just my ambition? Is this really him or is this just my fear? Is this just him or is this my insecurity and baggage? Is this just him or is this just my excitement? And I've, there's lots of ways we're gonna walk through answering that question. Tonight, I just want us to land on, we've gotta know the word of God. We've gotta know the word of God. And to know the word of God, we gotta read it. We've got to read it. I, I do not think that I surprised anybody with the application point of how do we know God's will? How do we hear him We're in the word of God? I think in a room full of people who showed up to a church to hear a sermon, most all of you were not surprised. Oh my goodness, I never thought about reading. You never, that's not, but, but do we do it? But do we do it? Is this our first source? Is this what I run to? Is this the foundation of how I make decisions? Am I meditating and spending time in this in a way that shapes how I see other people in traffic the way God sees them? As, as, as minute and, and interesting as that is, or sees my workplace because I'm spending so much time no longer being conformed to the patterns of this world, but being transformed by the renewing of my mind because my mind is reading this thing because we believe this thing is authoritative and that God has revealed himself in it. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17, Paul is affirming Timothy, this incredible disciple of the Lord. And he says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul is affirming Timothy because from a child, Timothy was taught by his family members, what the, what the sacred writings, what the word of God, what, what, what God had to say through his writings, he knew it, he learned it, he studied it, he was taught it, he was taught it. And he says, look, because of that, that's going to prepare you. You're, you're, you're able to have that wisdom because you know that. And then he goes on to say in verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Right? We see in, in 2 Timothy this, this example of not only a, a man who knows God's word and studies it, and, and at that time it would have been the Torah, it would have been the law, right, in the Old Testament, but also we see this command and this endorsement by the Lord through, I believe, the power of the Holy Spirit that said, hey, this is gonna be good. This is profitable. This is the tool that you need in order for teaching and for reproof and for correction and for those things to be able to build the grid for us to discern properly. It's gonna be here. And so we've gotta read it. If we wanna know the will of God, we've got to be in this book. If we wanna know our God and be able to recognize his voice, we've got to be in this book and then as we read it, we ask questions and we make observations. 
and we raise our hands and we ask other people and say, I don't understand what this means and what's this talking about here? And there's some confusing things and there's some hard things. And there's a, it's so important to not only just read it and how did that make me feel, but read it and say, man, what is it really saying here? And then we interpret it and we say, what does that mean? Not just I read it and I feel this way or I flipped to this verse when I was asking about, should I take this job? And I got this verse and, and the verse was about a donkey dying. And so I know I shouldn't take the job. And I, but no, I, I study his word and then I ask questions and I make observations and I, I ask the question, what does this mean? What's, it, what's this mean in the context that the author wrote it? What was he saying that God says is gonna be profitable, that this scripture is breathed out by him? How do I do that? And so man, we hopefully study with other people and we go to resources and we, we, we look to other people who have also studied it. And then we take it back and we compare it and say, man, is this really the context correct? And we've got to be savvy. We're in a world that is trying to deceive us. We're in a world that would conform us to lies. So we read it, we ask questions, we make observations, we interpret, we say, what does this really mean? What was the author meaning when he wrote this to Timothy? What was he saying? And then we apply it and we go do it, right? Pretty straightforward, guys. We then apply it. We read it. What's it mean? And now let's go do it. James 1, 22 through 25. And Cody actually preached about this on, on this past Sunday here at Christ Chapel says this, James, but be doers of the word, right? So we don't just read it and study it and become smarter and have a lot of head knowledge, but then we go and do what it says and not just hearers only deceiving ourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and preserves, perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. One of the ways in which we're able to learn the word of God is not just to study it for academic reasons, but it's to study it and then go and apply it. And as we do that, we learn. And it takes his profitable God-breathed words and it puts it in flesh and it puts it in action. And it becomes not just lessons we learn, but it becomes muscles that we build spiritually because of his word. There's a lot of other places um, that we're going to go throughout the series uh, to really dig deeper and deeper and deeper. And man, how do we, how do we really going to discern his voice? But I think we have to start here. I think we have to start with his word. We have to start with this premise that, man, this is his authoritative word so that I can know the, if I'm correctly hearing. Um, and if I don't have that, then I don't have a compass, right? I don't have a flashlight. I'm standing in the dark trying to discern his next step, but there is no lamp unto my feet as the word of God is. There's no light for me to see what that next step is because I'm not in that. So I just want to get real practical with you guys. I'm just going to give you one real practical application, and this is um, use it as a resource if you want. I'm just really proud of it because uh, one of my best friends of this church uh, runs our grow department. Uh, and, and we're releasing a resource on Sunday um, that's the Center for Christian Growth. And there's a, there's a link um, that I'll put up here, a tiny, tiny link that I'll put up here on the screen. Um, but it, it's going to be released on Sunday. And honestly, it's just our church's attempt to say, man, we believe in the Bible. Man, we believe we should study. We should, but that's sometimes hard and that's sometimes intimidating. And so it's kind of this one-stop shop for kind of all the ways in which we want to challenge people to grow 
in their understanding of who God is. Not just to puff us up intelligently and, and so that we have a lot of biblical knowledge, but to grow so that then we can put it into action and grow so we can discern what is from him and what is not from him. Uh, and so this is actually gonna go live on Sunday. And if you're here at our church on Sunday, we'll talk a lot more about that. Um, but our heart is that, hearts, you know God, hearts that you walk with him, but in order to do that, you're gonna have to be in his word. And so let us come alongside you with resources and community and classes and all kinds of stuff. It's honestly overwhelming the amount of opportunities and, and resources we have. Um, here's what I want to end with. This evening, if you're here in this sermon, man, I praise God, thank you for being patient, but you're not in Christ. And, and you're in this room and you're still trying to figure this out. And you're still trying to figure out, man, what do I really believe? And where am I at? And I'm not sure that I believe all this. And I don't know that, and I, I see some things and maybe you say, man, I see some things that feel like massive contradictions. And I see some things in the Old Testament that I am not okay with that God or some things in the New Testament. Man, I love that you're here, man. I would love to continue to walk with you through that. We are not afraid of hard questions. We are not afraid of, of really wrestling with the hard questions that are in scripture. I love that you're here. You're in the right place. But if you're hearing this and you're, you're not there yet and you're not in Christ, praise God. I don't think it was an accident that you heard this, this sermon on discerning his will and studying the Bible. I think God wants to reveal himself to you. I, I believe the God of the universe wants to know you and wants to be known by you in a way that will change everything in your life. And so my hope is whether or not you believe all of it or not, man, I, I hope and challenge you to take a step of faith towards a God who meets us in our sin, who meets us in our brokenness. And because of the gospel, because he 2000 years ago sent his son to die for those who surrender their life to Christ, get indwelled with the Holy Spirit that allows us to study this in a totally different way. I believe God wants that for you tonight. And I believe that this is where I would love to encourage you to start. Man, pull one of us aside, Brooke or Robert or myself, come and pray with us afterwards. I'd love to walk you through some places in this book where I believe the Lord says, hey, I'm real and I want to be known by you and it will change everything. What do you have to lose? A relationship with the eternal God of the universe. And if you're in this room and you're in Christ, but man, you're anxious and the thought of God's will is, is pertinent to you, but frustrating because you're anxious because you're not sure what you're doing right now in your life and you're hurt and you're lonely or you're discouraged or you're in a place where you feel anxious because you feel trapped and you're like, I'm not sure if this is where I'm supposed to be and I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be over there instead. And you're in that place. My encouragement and challenge to you is stop, be still and rest in him. And Joseph sat in a jail cell for years. And I would imagine every day he sat there, he's like, what are you doing, God? My encouragement is stay tuned. Walk with us as a community. But tonight, my encouragement is just be still and rest in a God who has revealed himself to you. And although you want the roadmap and although you want the big picture, Maybe tonight he's saying, do you just trust me tonight? Can you rest in me just tonight and know that I'm good and know that I'm for you? Let me pray for us. Father, we love you and we're so grateful for how you love us. Um, God, Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, Paul says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, he prays this over the, the church in Ephesus. He says, the Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory, 
Lord, that, that, that that God may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. He prays that for his people, Lord. And so I pray that for us, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory may give us the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance of the saints? God, would you open our eyes to who you are and how you love us? And God, would just tonight be a taste of, um, a taste that you are good and a, a taste that you are in control, but also you're a God who is not just overseeing and in control of everything. You have, you care about our steps. You care about the path we walk on. You care about the good works that you've prepared for us. And so show us what those look like. Would we be people who leave here changed not only by your Holy Spirit, but also by your Holy Spirit pushing us to the word that we might grow as people who are discerning. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope today's message was impactful and God used it to be part of the transforming work he wants to do in your life. Look, our desire is that this isn't just a resource you would listen to, but that this is really a community you would belong to. If you have any further questions, you just want to talk or need prayer, reach out to us. Our contact info is on the website, renovateftw.org, or connect with us on our social media, at RenovateFTW, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you again soon.